And, you know, last night's victory got me to thinking how we're victory, we're, we have victory in the Lord, amen? amen? And are we not victors? And so I asked uh, Russ, uh, you know, earlier in the week, it was on Friday, we were at Bible study downstairs, and he said, hey Dave, uh, I'm going to be singing, is there any songs that you want me to lead? And I said, yeah, I said, I remembered, uh, you know, I don't know if I've heard that song here in a long time, but we used to sing it at sunset all the time. And I said, the battle belongs to the Lord. That's, that's the song I want because that's going to be the lesson. Because today we're going to kind of get into the scriptures a little bit. But we're going to focus on not Psalm 18 as far as a textual study. But we're going to look at the, really the inspiration behind Psalm 18. And what we understand is when we look at the inspiration of Psalm 18, it's the battle belongs to the Lord. Why? Because David knew that the victory that he had belonged to the Lord. It wasn't, the victory wasn't attained because of his great strength. It wasn't uh, attained because of his, of, his, of his great mind and his battle strategies. He knew that all that he accomplished, he attained because of the Lord and the, how the Lord had equipped him. And I want us to know that as we go through this lesson here this morning, that the Lord is going to equip us if we remain action-oriented, faithful unto the Lord, he will equip you for the battle. He will equip you for the spiritual battle that we're in. We're not in a physical battle. We're in a spiritual battle. And only the Lord can equip us in order to fulfill our purpose on his behalf. And so that's going to be the crux of today's lesson. Do you know anybody here today who's struggling, maybe uh, not so much in the auditorium, maybe in the auditorium, but just in life, you know, maybe some friends or family, maybe some coworkers. You know anybody who's struggling maybe with some things in life right now? Maybe some health diagnoses, maybe some, uh, maybe some spiritual uh, problems, maybe some uh, emotional problems, maybe some financial problems. So I guess, I guess what I'm asking you is, do you know anybody who needs some good news? And... If you walk around with a defeated mentality, and we're going to look at that defeatist type mentality here this morning, but brethren, if you walk around with a defeatist type mentality, how can you share good news with somebody when you look like them? And so the point of today's lesson is not to look at a textual study of Psalm 18, but we're going to look at the inspiration behind Psalm 18. And that is how David understood that the battle belongs to the Lord. And that he is victorious in all that he does when he remains faithful unto the Lord. When he remains action-oriented. When I say the words action-oriented, as a Christian, what does that mean to you, I wonder? You don't have to you know, audibly answer, but I want you to think about it for a second. When I say that David was action-oriented on behalf of the Lord, what does that simply mean to you? What, is, what do you think I mean by saying that? Well, I'm here to tell you it's biblical faith. The belief, the trust, the obedience. To be action-oriented, you have to trust in the Lord. David trusted in the Lord. He had highs and lows. We know we've read the story. But we know that in the end, and in, 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 in at the end of the day, he trusted in the Lord. And every time he trusted in the Lord, he attained the victory. Because the Lord was working upon his behalf. And the reason I asked if you know anybody who's struggling with some things right now, and not because it's a holiday season, but because life is difficult. Do they need some positive news? I mean, I don't know about you guys. I turn on the news. I listen to the radio. I read the internet. And you're, lit you're inundated with negativity all the time. So would it be easy to have a, def a defeatist type mentality? And the answer is yes. But you have to guard against that. You have to fight against that. David knew that it was because of God's power. 
It was because of God's providence. It was because of God's preeminence that, that each, of, each one of us should be able to give glory to God for the victories as David did. David knew that it wasn't his power, it was God's power. It wasn't his might, it was God's might. It was God's preeminence, it was God's grace, it was God's mercy. It was God willing to work on behalf of all those who are faithful. You remember when you go back and you study out the Old Testament, which we know that in Romans it tells us that the Old Testament's like a schoolmaster to lead us to the Christ, right? But you go back and you study out the Old Testament. When the Jews were faithful and true unto God, man, they were the most blessed people on this planet. There was nothing that could get in their way. There was nothing that could stand up to them. You remember when, when the 12 spies were sent out? They came back eventually, right? And they gave a report. Ten of them gave a negative report. And woe is me. <laughs> we might as well head back to Egypt. Or in the other two, Caleb and Joshua, they, they knew that the battle belonged to the Lord. They said, if the Lord is on our side, who could stand before us? Brethren, that is the attitude I want each and every one of us to have. Not today, but each and every day moving forward. Because you understand who you are, you understand who's fighting the battle, and you understand that you are victorious. So brethren, we look at today's lesson, and it's not... It's not Psalm 18, but it's the inspiration behind Psalm 18. David learned these things, and he remained faithful unto the Lord. Did he struggle from time to time? Did he have moments of weakness? Yes. We understand that. We've seen the story. We know the story. But so did all the other great men and women of the Scriptures. Many of them had many highs, but they also had some pretty lows. And so, pretty low lows. And as we get into this, brethren, David, the servant of the Lord, uttered the words of Psalm 18 in the day that the Lord had delivered him from all of his enemies and had delivered him from the hand of Saul. If you look at the first passage of Scripture on the screen behind me in Psalm 18, if we look at verse 1 through 3, we're only going to look at parts of Psalm 18 in, in, in a little bit of detail. But I want you to understand, brethren, I want you to think about your faith and if you understand your victory, and if you understand your purpose, can you say the same thing that David says in verses 1 through 3? I love you, O Lord, Psalm 18, 1. I love you, O Lord. You are my strength. How often have you uttered those words? The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. When you pray unto the Lord, do you think and do you give thanks for him being your Lord, your rock, your fortress, your deliverer? Do you thank him for the strength that he gives you when you know that you are weak? You look at verse 3, or verse 2. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, my salvation, my stronghold. Do you consider yourself, when you consider your faith, to have God as your rock, your refuge, your shield, your horn of salvation? Brethren, I, I'm, I'm bringing this stuff to us because I want us to understand the attitude, the mentality that we need to take into this life, that we need to take out into society where things seem to be falling apart all around us. We're inundated by negative news, uh, news headlines on a regular basis. Well, so were they. So was David. So were the Jews. Why? Because they lived in some difficult times. So was the first century Christians. They lived in some difficult times. But I bet you they would have said, the Lord my God, I love you because you're my strength, you're my rock, you're my fortress. 
You're my shield. You're my refuge. You're my horn of salvation. You're my stronghold. And verse 3 says, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I have saved from my enemies. I also want you to remember what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17, verse 47 says this, Then all this assembly, all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Do you remember what this passage of Scripture is talking about? This was uh, when David was, David had to bring some rations to his brothers that I was mentioned in, in study this, this morning, right? David had to bring some rations to his brothers because his father asked him to do it. He gets there and he hears this, he sees this big guy across the field uttering all these threats and, and, and speaking down upon them and in a derogatory way, speaking in a derogatory way about, about their Lord and their God. And he said, what is going on here? And so he starts to ask the questions. And those words that we see in Psalm 18 and, and also in, uh, in, uh, second, in 1 Samuel 17, those are the words that David spoke before his battle with the mighty Goliath. He said, the Lord does not deliver by sword or spear, for the Lord, uh, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. So what, what do we know about that? What do we know about uh, Psalm 18 as an extension of that belief? David trusted in the Lord. He trusted in the Lord, and the Lord delivered him. And every time God's people fully trusted in the Lord, had an action-oriented mindset, meaning that they were doing what God had purposed them to do, they had victory. And there was nobody who could stand in their way. And I'm telling you, the devil cannot stand in your way. You can say, flee for me, devil, and the devil has to go. Why? Because Jesus is your Lord. Because Jesus has victory over death. Jesus has victory over Satan. Why? Because he is God. Brethren, this is the song of victory in which gives God all the glory. In Psalm 118, as I said, David's praise. Notice these words again. His rock, his fortress, his deliverer, his strength, his shield, his salvation, his stronghold, his refuge. All of these terms that you see. In, uh, in Psalm 18, 1 through 3, 1 through 4, those are terms of security. They're terms of safety. Those are knowing who you are in Christ. You could only utter those words if no matter how difficult life gets, you trust in the Lord and you don't care what your earthly outcome is because you understand what your eternal outcome is. And so you could say you're my rock my stronghold, my horn of salvation, my shield, my deliverer. You could say that in the middle of a medical diagnosis that doesn't go your way. You could say that in a marriage that may be failing. You could say that when you're dealing with your problems of your young children or even your adult children. You could say that when you're struggling with your career. You could say that when you've lost somebody dear to you. Brethren, you could say that because your trust is in God. And if you trust in the Lord, just like David, when his baby that he had uh, out of wedlock, that he had uh, with Bathsheba, that when he was, he was prostrating himself, he was praying on behalf of this baby, he was fasting, and then all of a sudden the baby dies, he gets up, he dusts himself off, he probably took a shower, bath maybe, and then he cleans himself up, and he continues on. Why? Because he knew if he stayed faithful to the Lord, I'll see him again. And so, brethren, we know that we have to trust that fully in God to understand that we have the victory and that we are victors in Christ Jesus. 
Brethren, while David's life and faithfulness had some ups and downs, he learned what it meant to truly, to, 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 to truly uh, trust fully in God uh, for his strength, for his grace, for his deliverance, for his security. And so I ask you this morning to ask yourself, how often, when is the last time that you have praised God in this manner, this sincerely, for the victories in your life? Who here doesn't have some victories? Who here has not been blessed by the hand of God? And when you think of your blessings and your victories in the Lord, does rock, fortress, deliverer, strength, shield, horn of salvation, stronghold, and refuge, do those come to mind? And I know we speak a little bit differently than maybe what they spoke of back in those days, but what are the words that you use when you give praise to God for the victories and blessings in your life? That's what I want us to think about this morning. Because, brethren, it is so very important that you have that mindset, that you understand who you are. Because I'm here to tell you, in the church and out of the church, there's too many people who walk around with a defeatist mentality. And if you walk around with a defeatist mentality, all attempts at success, change, and victory are going to seem pointless. Because you've already given up. You've already believed that you've lost. You've already believed that somehow Satan's going to come and win in the end. And that evil seems to always win out. Because we see evil people, sinful people, seem to be blessed in this life, not understanding that you can receive blessings even as, a, as an evil, sinful human being, and yet you're going to stand before God in judgment. So you may not pay for it in this life, but you're going to pay for it in the next. Because God cannot... He's not going to have the wool pulled over his eyes. God knows your heart. He knows your mind. And so I want you to focus on it. I want you to ask yourself, do I really consider myself to be a victor? Do I really actually know what that means? Can I, can I read Psalm 18 and the inspiration behind it and really understand what David was, uh, what he was dealing with and what he was going through? Remember, Saul was trying to kill him. He was fleeing for his life for a long time. And there was moments of starvation, moments of hiding out in caves, and moments of just uh, breaking in and stealing the showbread and eating the showbread, even though he wasn't supposed to. He was starving. He had moments of despair. He had moments where he's crying out for his life. And the Lord delivered him. Why? Because he remained true unto the Lord. He was the Lord's anointed. Who here has been baptized into the Lord? If you've been baptized into the Lord, are you not the Lord's anointed? Are you not a child of God? So you too can receive those same blessings and those same victories. Brethren, the mentality, that mentality, that defeatist mentality believes that the enemy is too strong, that the righteous are too weak, and that it's inevitable. The inevitable outcome of history will be one in which Satan's going to get the last say. And a, defe a defeatist mentality is quickly gives in to despair and refuses to risk anything because you don't trust that it's going to benefit you in any way. So why even try? Because that's a defeatist mentality, a one that is convinced that such attempts are only going to lead to defeat. Brothers and sisters, if, we, if we're being honest with each other, and if we're being honest with ourselves, haven't we all had that feeling from time to time? I mean, seriously, haven't we all had a defeatist mentality at one time or another in our very lives? And the answer is yes. And if you're saying you haven't, well, then you're either awesome and very blessed and all borderline perfect, or you're just a liar. 
And so, I, I mean, I say that with love and, and, and mercy, but I'm just being honest, right? And so, it seems that this thought process is even more prevalent today, not because the world hasn't always had problems, but because we have technology. And so, I know about all the world's problems instantly. I know about everything that's going on in the world and in the lives of normal people, celebrities, people I don't even want to know about. I know about everything instantaneously. And so we think to ourselves that the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And then why even try? Nobody cares. Nobody wants to know about my Jesus. Nobody wants to uh, have a faith. Nobody wants to believe in God anymore. So what's the point? What happens when I do that? I got a, def a defeatist mentality. I forgot who I was. I forgot who my God was. I forgot the power of God. And so, brethren, we look at these things. So what can I possibly do as an individual and as a church as we face such dark times? Brethren, if we are not careful, the church, the church as a whole will fall into that mentality. And that mentality, I'm telling you, will cripple you. It will cripple you, so you must be intentional in fighting against that mentality. You must be intentional with that little stream of thoughts that go through your mind that we call self-talk. You guys know what I mean. You guys might be listening to me right now, and there might be a stream of thoughts that are going through your head, and it has nothing to do with victory and Jesus Christ. And so you're thinking about the problems that you're dealing with. You're thinking about all that's going on in your life, and it might not be God in, your, in the sermon right now. But brethren, you get to dictate and determine what you do with that stream of thoughts. You can allow it to be negative all the time, which is going to cripple you and cause a defeatist mentality. Or you could stop those thoughts, convert those thoughts, transform them into posit positive thoughts, thoughts of victory, thoughts of salvation, thoughts of refuge, thoughts of uh, your strength and who, and who provides it, thoughts of your stronghold in God. You could change those thoughts. You get to determine what your thoughts are. Brethren, David had an immense confidence and he expected victory. Look over, and some of you might want to open your Bible to this next passage uh, as we get to Psalm 18. It's on the screen behind me, but it might be a little bit small for, for some if you're sitting further back. But Psalm 18, notice what it says in verse 31 through 39. For who is God but the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? The God who girds me with strength and makes my way blameless. He makes my feet like hind's feet and sets me upon my high places. He trains my hands for battle so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. You have given me your right hand and it upholds me. And your gentleness makes me great. You enlarge my steps under me. Uh, you enlarged my steps under me, and my feet have not slipped. I pursued my enemies and overtook them, and I did not turn my back until they were consumed. I shattered them so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet, for you have girded me with strength for battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. Brothers and sisters, notice in that, in that psalm there, and when you look at verses 31 through 39, notice that King David is confident. Because why? Because God has equipped him with strength. Well, what has God done for us in the New Testament era? Doesn't Peter tell us that God has provided everything that you need for life and godliness? So what do you need that you don't already have access to? You may have not have accessed it, but what do you need that you haven't already accessed, right? God gives you everything you need to fight the spiritual battle that we're all fighting. 
And it's not about the here and now, it's about the outcome. It's about knowing how the book ends. And we're going to look at that briefly here this morning. David goes on to detail how God had empowered him for conquest. He had empowered him overcoming the wicked by the Lord and the Lord's strength and the Lord's might. Because of that, David doesn't grow arrogant. He doesn't grow arrogant in his victory, but instead, what does it say? He gives praise unto God. Why? Because he knows who really attained the victory. Yes, while he can be victorious, it's not because of his might. It's not because of his brilliant battle strategy or his mind. It's not because of anything he had done other than remain faithful unto the Lord. Brethren, never forget that David had to make a choice. He had to choose to fully submit to God and to follow the statues of the Lord. Because without David's active participation in the Lord's plan, he would have failed. And God would have found somebody else to carry the torch. But we know that he had success because he fulfilled the purpose that God had for him. And brethren, victory is a partnership. And I need you to look at your faith and your journey and your life with God as a partnership. A partnership that will assure victory if you have an active participation in said faith, in said battles, in whatever you're going through. He will equip us for the battle. He will strengthen us with his mighty right hand, and he will assure us of a victory. But it, it's a partnership that depends on fully submitting to God. You guys have heard me say this all the time, and I want the congregation to repeat it. What is biblical faith? It's threefold. Belief in God. Trust in his promises and obedience. If you do that, God is going to bless you. But maybe not always in this life. You say, but Dave, I'm faithful, but I don't necessarily see the blessings that you're talking about this morning. God never promised you you were going to have an easy life. How did it turn out for his disciples in the first century? How did it turn out for the apostles? They said, well, if the rich can't get into heaven, who can get in? We gave up everything and we followed you. What are we going to get? You guys remember the passage? And so what is the point? God never promised Christians that things are going to be easy and that you're going to be blessed with all types of financial uh, well-being, with perfect health and perfect marriages and perfect families and just fill in the blank. But God did say, if you follow after me, you remain faithful unto me, that I will go and I am going to prepare a place for you and I, and you will spend eternity with me in paradise in the loving embrace of a father who will then give you a life where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more sorrow. Brethren, we know that as heaven, and heaven awaits all of us who fully trust in the Lord and understand that the victory isn't here on this earth. The victory is to come. But we are still in the midst of the battle and we have to remain faithful so we can attain the victory that Jesus has already won. You see, brethren, we look at the scriptures this morning. Never forget that David had to make that choice. And you have to make a choice. Do you want the victory? And are, willing, are you willing to do what it takes to attain the victory? You see, because right now we're in a safe state. But you're only in a safe state if you remain faithful unto the Lord. Amen? Can you fall away from the Lord? 
Can you lose your salvation if you remain unfaithful? Or if you become unfaithful? And the answer is yes. And it's not one of those things where some people think, well, I'm in one day, I'm out the next, I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. And then, oh, I hope I say my prayers before I go to bed, because otherwise then I might be out, and then I die, and then all of a sudden, oh, I lost it. Man, I forgot to pray last night. That's not how it works. First, uh, First John chapter 5, verse 13, John is telling our Christians, he says, I'm writing these, these things to you so you can know that you're saved. You don't have to be wishy-washy and wonder, am I in, am I out, am I in? God says you can know you are saved. Brothers and sisters, victory is a partnership in which the Lord equips us for battle. He strengthens us and he assures us of victory, but don't get it twisted. We must submit, we must obey, and we must act in faith. So brethren, part of reading the scriptures and part of understanding the scriptures is knowing who God is. Understanding his nature, understanding his, char his character, and understanding what he will do for all of us. So never give in to a defeatist mentality. Don't assume that evil is going to win because you're inundated by, uh, by negativity and evil and sin and bad, and bad news headlines every time you turn on the TV or the radio or something else. Understand what it tells us in scriptures. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, Be strong in the Lord and in, and in the strength of his might. We need to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might, A, to accomplish the purposes that he's given us, but B, to be able to retain the victory. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. So, brothers and sisters, what do we take away from Ephesians 6 and 2 Corinthians 10? We need to make sure that we steady our feet on the rock of salvation. Is Jesus not the rock of our foundation? Is he not the rock of our salvation? We need to unsheath the sword of grace and truth, and we need to look to God and hope for the equipped, and so, he can, so that he will equip us for the victory. So we look to God for hope. We look for God for providing for us because only Yahweh is God and only Yahweh is the rock on which all things are founded. And Jesus is that cornerstone. Brothers and sisters, I wonder sometimes though if as Christians, I wonder if sometimes we don't get confused about Christ's victory. I wonder if sometimes we forget about Christ's victory because too many Christians are sulking. You're walking around moody and depressed. I wonder if sometimes we think that the battle is still undecided and that the, the victory could go either way. And that maybe Satan really is going to win. And I, and I, I didn't remember. or I, I, maybe, maybe the Bible got it wrong. Because look at all the evil and the pain and the suffering around us. And so I wonder sometimes if Christians don't really believe that the victory's already been attained. I wonder if they think that it's uncertain. Perhaps they're watching too much news. Perhaps you're confused because of the, co the political battles that are taking place. Maybe we're not winning some of these political battles that we wish to win and that we so desire to win, but it doesn't really matter because those things are like a vapor that's here for a second and then they're gone. Christ Jesus' victory is eternal. And there's nothing that we could do in this planet to mess it up other than be unfaithful unto God. Brethren, there's no Supreme Court decision, there is no uh, political battle that's going to overturn the victory. Jesus, his victory is eternal, and Jesus' victory 
is what is going to give us the strength to stand firm on the rock of our salvation, Jesus Christ, his sacrifice, and God's promises, and it will get you through. And that's not saying it's going to be easy. Brethren, these things ought not to be. When I read Revelation chapter 19 and the great rejoicing that takes place in that chapter because of Christ's victory, what do the latest political victories and failures even matter? I mean, think about it. What do these latest political failures even matter? They're just, like I said, vapors that are here for a second and they're gone. But Jesus Christ is forever. His victory is assured. Brethren, I want you to understand something. The only question we need to ask ourselves is, how am I going to get as many people as possible to the party? The only question you have to ask yourself is, how are we going to get as many people as possible to the party? What party am I talking about? Heavenly victory. Don't you want your friends and family to, to attain heavenly victory? Notice what the scriptures tell us. 1 John 5 and 4. For whatever is born of God, he overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Belief, trust, obedience. Biblical faith. It's overcome the world. That is our victory. Revelations 19.6. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of many of the sounds of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, he reigns. Brethren, strengthen your mind this day. Strengthen your mind and be ready so you can attain victory with all those who fully trust in the Lord and who have faithfully served him and have already gone on to the eternal acceptance of that victory. I think of Revelation chapter 22, verse 12 and 13. And the scriptures tell us, Behold, I am coming quickly, Jesus says, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and I am the last. I am the beginning and I am the end. And then John tells all those Christians who were suffering towards the end of his life, who were questioning whether or not uh, Jesus had already come or whether Jesus was really real. And he says, These things I have written to you so that you can know that you are saved, so that you can know that you have eternal life. Brothers and sisters, it's time to remember that we are the victors. And we know how the story ends. But you have to be an active participant in a relationship with Jesus Christ. There has to be a partnership between you and God. And so if you have that, and if you don't have that, but you want that, brethren, you could start it today. We talk about baptism all the time. We talk about, we offer an invitation every single week. And brethren, in order to attain the victory, you have to be in the Lord's church. Jesus says, I am the door. No one comes unto the Father except through me. Well, how do we get into Christ? Romans chapter 6, it teaches us that. That we are baptized into Christ for the remission of our sins. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And brethren, God tells us in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47 that he is the one who adds you to the church. You don't fill out a form and say, I'm a member of the Lord's church. That's not how it works. Only God could add you to the kingdom. Only God could add you to the church. And so if you're here today and you are not a child of God, but you want the victory, you're tired of losing, you're tired of suffering, you're tired of not having a, 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 a bond with others who are like-minded, 
and who understand what it means to give, to give all their lives to Christ, to support one another, to, to lift each other's crosses, to bear each other's burdens, to encourage one another. If you want to be a part of something special, then you want to be a part of the Lincoln Park Church of Christ. If you want to be a part of the Lincoln Park Church of Christ, that means you want to be a part of the Lord's church, the Lord's kingdom. And in order to do that, you need to be baptized as we stand and sing the song of invitation. <laughs>